Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my chickens. Today is your chance to see inside the black box <laughs> of my coaching business and working for me and what it is like to both work for me personally, but also just to work in a business where coaching is so integral to the way that business is done and employees are sort of guided and mentored and managed and feedback is given. Think it's going to be really valuable no matter who you are. Certainly, if you are an entrepreneur or a manager, it's going to be really helpful to hear how we use coaching in the business. But even if you work for yourself or you work for someone else, thinking about how to use coaching tools in the context of how you relate to your work and to your performance and how you kind of coach yourself when something goes wrong, all of that is really good stuff in this episode. So this also seems like an appropriate time to tell you about how we're hiring right now. So if you listen to this episode and you think, yeah, man, that sounds like someplace I want to work, because, you know, we all talk to ourselves with, yeah, man, (laughs) at the beginning of our thoughts, then you are going to want to look into whether you are a good fit for one of the two positions that we are currently trying to fill. We are looking for an incredible, organized, strategic, unflappable COO to be my right-hand person and keep the lights on and the trains running and (laughs) whatever those metaphors would be to handle all the logistics and execution and coordination and managing employees while I focus on that big picture and that big vision. So if you are someone who thinks that sounds like fun and a good fit for your skill set, you should check out that posting. We're also hiring for a marketing director. So if you are someone who loves the podcast, loves this work, if you evangelize to your friends about it (laughs) unpaid and you are great at communicating and marketing and selling things that you care about, including this work, and have experience in digital and online marketing, especially for a coaching business or some other kind of direct online service business, then you should check out our post for marketing director. You can see both of our job descriptions and they include the benefits, the salary. We're very transparent about all of that. You can check them all out at unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash hiring, or you can text your email address to plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. That's plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. And the code word is hiring. So you will get a text asking for the code word and it is hiring. And then we will send you the info. So all the info is at those links or at that phone number. You can check it out. And remember that studies show that men will apply to jobs when they meet anywhere from 40 to 60% of the criteria. And most women will not apply to jobs unless they meet 90 to 100% of the criteria. So if you meet less than 90% of the criteria, you should still apply. 
if you made at least, I don't know, let's say 60 to 70%. Make a case for yourself. Tell me why I should hire you. Tell me why you would rock this job and what you would bring to the business. You'll never find out unless you try. And to answer the one questions that we always get asked, these are both full-time remote positions, occasional travel required, and they are open to folks who are legally able to work full-time in the United States, regardless of where their physical bodies might be. Okay, let's get into this conversation with my very own, the one and only Elena McKernan. Let's take it away. All right, my chickens, my chickadees, my friends, my potential friends. I know that some of you have maybe wondered, what the fuck is it like to work for car or to be a coach or to work for a coach? Or like, what would my job be like if everybody used the model? So we're going to answer all these questions today. I am here with my very own, what should we call your title? Like person who keeps the business running or I would die, Elena McKernan, who's otherwise known as the director of the clutch and currently also my acting COO. And we are going to talk about what it's like to work for a coach. Elena is in the position of the enviable position of being a coach herself, using coaching on herself at work, using coaching with the people she supervises in my business using coaching on herself with the feedback she gets from me <laughs> working for me. She's got the like 360 view of the whole thing. So all of the coaching, <laughs> all of the coaching, all of the things. But I thought we would talk about it because I think the more that I grow my team and manage my business, the more I'm like, how the fuck does anybody manage anyone without using the model? Like, I just am like so baffled by how anyone tries to do anything managing other people without thinking about their thoughts. Like I just don't, it's like mind blowing to me. So that's what we're going to talk about. Do you want to tell the people anything else about who you are first? Oh goodness. I coach artists. I'm an artist myself. My background is in theater and I am delighting and I think converting car into hiring a bunch of theater people in the future. (laughs) (laughs) My secret is true. The secret to finding Elena is hire an off-Broadway theater producer to be your assistant and then just like watch her rise. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Turns out we know how to be nimble and scrappy and problem solve. That is well. for sure. Yeah, no, I think you covered it. I guess I started out with Unfuck Your Brain, was it like three years ago now? Yeah. I think what is it? It's 2021. Time has sort of lost all meaning. But yeah. I want to say it was 2018, I heard. Yeah. Too. Is that right? I to think 19, so. 2021. Three years. Yeah. hmm Yeah. And in that time, I would say I've like gone from, we'll talk about this more, but I think I definitely had an initial point where I was like, what the fuck? Is this like coaching (laughs) with work? Like what's going on here? I need to like look at my thoughts in this meeting (laughs) to, I now share your thoughts, Cara, of like, how does anyone work without this? Yeah. And we should say when Elena came to work with me, she was not like a podcast listener, all sold on coaching. Like she, you know, that had no idea what was happening here and was, you know, and I think in that kind of like, it could be a cult, but I'm open-minded kind mm-hmm. of mindset. I don't really understand what's happening here, but it seems interesting. Yeah. Theater is kind of culty too sometimes. There so. you go. You're used to it. You're <laughs> like, sure. An insular group of people with their own language. So let's uh. just start there. Why don't you tell the people what was like your kind of experience of coming to work? And when Elena joined me, she was my only employee for, I'd had a part-time VA that I let go to create this full-time position. And she was my only employee for about six months. And then we hired Christy. 
But what was your kind of experience of coming in and being like, what is happening? And then how did you get like, so sold maybe a year later, you were like, so I'm going to go get certified as a coach. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like what was that? I think that was like actually kind of a surprise to me. Like I had no idea mm-hmm. that you were like thinking about that. So I'm curious to hear kind of like, what was your conversion process to the coaching? My conversion. How did you get acclimated into the cult? This is not really a cult. She did not convert, but how did you come to sort of be like, what was your experience of encountering it? And then how did you end up being sort of so excited about it that you wanted to do it yourself? Well, I would say that when I came on board, of course, this job, it was like in a new industry. I hadn't really used any of these tools before. It was kind of like learning a new language. And it was also at a point in your business, as you say, where like a lot was happening. You were like growing very quickly and we were doing a lot of new things. And so of course it brought up all of my shit, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of my, like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not moving quickly enough. I don't understand. And so I think my first like step of both, I think coming to see how powerful these tools are and also coming to like integrate these tools into my role was actually seeing the impact that the model and coaching tools had Mm -hmm. on my experience of anxiety, of time scarcity in the job itself. Mm -hmm. Did Um, I teach you the model? That's a good question. I mean, I think I like, I was like, oh, they're talking about this model thing. There might've been some self, <laughs> self-study. self I think it was like- well, Maybe assumed. I gave you like the, I think, yeah, I think maybe I gave you the like intro course. Yeah. Unfuck or, Your Brain was the the small group program. Yeah, yeah. At the time. And so I think I probably learned from that. But to be honest, mm-hmm. I don't really remember very well. I definitely remember like after a month or two being like, okay, wait, I think we need to use the model here. <laughs> like being like, I think that we should like go over the model. Let me make sure she understands how to do it. Like, let me use it. Yeah. To her. And I was like, oh yeah. Okay. We need to actually, we need to use this. And my experience with you was that you were like super defensive at the beginning and you have relaxed mm-hmm. so much. Maybe mm-hmm. super is a strong word, but like definitely, I would not say that your first, from my perspective, your first experience of coaching was not like, this is fun and I love it. Like it definitely. <laughs> it's still not that all the time. <laughs> is that for anybody? <laughs> I mean, no, we all get defensive, I guess, when we're really in it. But I don't know. Sometimes I feel very like, cool. We're just looking at these thoughts together. And sometimes I'm like, get the fuck yeah. away from my brain. Yeah. So I think it depends on on like what's going on. But like one of the things I see in you is that I think like I saw your receptivity to coaching really open up mm-hmm. over time. And I'm curious, like what what kind of process do you feel like you went through from first encountering it to really embracing it. Yeah, I think actually now that I'm thinking about it, I probably did learn through the Unfuck Your Brain intro course, but it was in a very like utilitarian manner because I was mm-hmm. also writing some of your content. Mm-hmm. And it became very clear that like I needed to have a better understanding of this in mm-hmm. order to represent your ideas. And by writing your content, I mean like drafting social media posts and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And so, yeah, I do think like it was a very unusual experience. I'd never encountered this in the workplace Mm -hmm. to like be invited to take a look at not just my thoughts, but also the feelings they created and how I showed up when I had those thoughts and take like radical responsibility for my experience. And so I'm sure I was like fairly defensive in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like kind of dangerous to me Mm -hmm. to open up in that way in a workplace environment. I think I actually got a coach, a one-to-one coach. Yeah, I think we hired you a one-to-one coach. Yeah, and I think that helped me see the impact Mm -hmm. of this work 
and explore coaching in an open way that didn't feel charged at all to me. I didn't have like thoughts of like, this is dangerous around mm-hmm. that. And wait, so can we pause? Your thought about why it was dangerous was like, I'm going to tell my boss the truth about like what I'm thinking and feeling about the work. Is that what seemed yeah. dangerous? I think so. Like, I think I had this thought at the time, like this is going to be used against me. Mm. I also like as a someone with perfectionist tendencies, always had this underlying thought that I'm not good enough or I'm not mm-hmm. doing enough. So I think for me being open and honest in a workplace environment meant like you would see mm-hmm. the ways in which I'm not good enough mm-hmm. and I would get fired or judged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important. I remember when I had this brief lived theory, thank God it was brief lived that I was going, that my business was going to be like, this is back when I coached only when I coached lawyers, like going to law firms to do workshops and stuff, which just, Mm. let's just like pause and, and say a blessing. For that, not having turned out to be my life. (laughs) For like everyone, for the world. My business path. Yeah. And just like, so funny that that was, I was like, this is how I'll make that hundred thousand dollars back in the day. But I had this experience where I was like, oh, one reason this doesn't work that well is that no one here is willing to tell the truth about how they think and feel in front of their colleagues. Yeah. Right. Like there was, especially in law firms, they're like all perfectionist, all high anxiety. There's this like feeling of competition with like often with like the associate class. And even though I was being invited to like, it wasn't even like I did a couple that was like, at the law firm, that was the worst. People's like bosses were in the room and everything. But even when I would get invited to like, I would do talks for like a firm's, you know, women's association retreat kind of, which would be like offsite and at somebody's house. And it was like supposedly a little more laid back. It was still the same problem, right? Like nobody mm-hmm. would talk about what was going on because there's so much stigma around admitting that we like don't know what to do or that we made a mistake or, and it's just so, it's so counterproductive, right? As an employee, like your boss fucking knows if you made a mistake. <laughs> so like this sort of knee jerk thing of like, well, I don't want to tell you my thoughts because then you'll know why. Like it's better if your boss doesn't know why you made the mistake and doesn't understand how it can be like ameliorated in the future. Right. But I think that what you're saying is so important. Like if you want to use coaching as a manager, as a boss, you do have to be creating a situation where you have to create a climate that allows for that openness where it's not used against you. Right. Like I've never yeah. been like Elena that thing you said in the coaching session, like how stupid was that? Or I don't know what, however somebody would use something against you. Right. Yeah. You have to model that. Like, how did you learn to trust it was safe to tell me what your thoughts and feelings were? Well, just one thing before I jump to that, like, I also, I think I want to acknowledge that you have created a unique environment. Like there are places in which it is like being vulnerable or at least like telling the truth in that way is not met in the same way as it is. Totally. Yeah. And to that, I'll also say that I think it was a process of building trust. Like, I think incrementally, I learned, I think for one thing, like you were also kind of open, the more you opened up about your Mm -hmm. process and owning like mistakes you had made in the business Mm -hmm. or thoughts that you had had that like didn't create the results you were looking for. I then was able to think like, okay, it's safe to have that level Mm -hmm. of conversation. And I also think like there were probably like a couple of big fuck ups that I was like, oh God, <laughs> okay, let's see, like, let me own this mm-hmm. and see what happens. And that was met with like curiosity by you and mm-hmm. exploration by you. And it wasn't like immediately 
you didn't shut it down or use it against me. And so I think seeing that I was able then to like take greater risks in our relationship mm-hmm. as I perceived them and share more. And now, you know, I'm like, yes, I did this wrong. It <laughs> <laughs> is like fun Let times, guys, it. excitement. I made a mistake. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So many yeah. things there. So one, I think absolutely your point, like, and this is part of what I was trying to say also is as a manager, it's your job. Like if you are the boss or the manager listening to this, like you have to make that safe space, right? Which means you have to be managing your own mind in order to not, you know, take things out on your employees or not be reactive or not whatever, like it all will show up, right? You have to create that space. And I think the second point of like transparency is one of the ways that I try to, we just had a staff retreat and I was coaching a team member who still has the belief that like, she shouldn't make any mistakes. And then we literally like, I told them about a bunch of mistakes I made. And then we went around and like more senior employees had been there longer. We're like, I deleted the whole back end of Vance report. Like I sent out an email telling people to do this dumb thing. Like whatever it was, we, you know, we like all went around and we're like, here's the mistakes I made. Like being transparent about that is what will build trust so people can see that you walk your talk, right? So you cannot be like not managing your mind and then trying to use the model to encourage your employees to manage their minds. And I will say like, even within the coaching industry, even among like very successful coaches, there's a real range of how much people are managing their minds about their employees, right? And like, it's not always related. You can make a a lot of money not managing your mind about your employees. But if like your workplace culture is something that matters to you, and I think for me, and, you know, I teach this in the advanced certification also, like, what does it mean to run a feminist business? It's not just like having maternity leave or having, you know, covering abortion in your healthcare plan or whatever. It's also like, what is the company culture? What kind of like human experience is modeled? I was just filling out this form for, Elena knows I was a little late to the call because I was filling this out and it was for an employee who left the company because their position became full-time and they didn't want a full-time position. So, but I still had to like fill it out. And it's asking, it's like, what are the incidents that led to this? And I'm like, it was so interesting. So I was like, well, I would never, even if I had fired someone for cause, it would never be an incident. Like that's, I now think about thought processes, right? It would be like, if somebody's not the right fit for my company, it's because like, I don't seem to be the right kind of coach for them in some way. Like I'm not able to coach them through whatever kind of performance or like culture issues are coming up. But it was such an interesting example of like, oh yeah, like I've never really fired someone for like this one mistake you made, then you get fired. And I see this with people with bosses and managers, like where I'll like coach a colleague or a friend who'll be like, well, I've told them three times, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but did you coach them? Because if we don't know what thought is creating that action, like how well does it work when you yell at yourself to stop taking an action when you like haven't looked at the model and you don't understand what thought is leading to it, right? So I'm, I'd love to hear from you also how you use the model when you are managing the other people in the company, right? Like what it's like to work at a place where the way we give feedback is basically like, okay, well, what was the thought that caused this kind of action that went wrong? Like, what are we missing here? Mm, yeah. I think what's been so critical, both for like how you managed me and how I tried to manage the staff as well, is like there's some deconditioning that has to go on around making it clear that like we're more interested in understanding the thought process than we are in like being perfect. Like perfection mm-hmm. is not necessarily like I guess it's definitely not the goal. Like there's there's like a there's an expected (laughs) error rate. Like I expect a certain amount of things get fucked up every week. Yes. 
the point is not to be perfect and to like create a perception that you are perfect. We're much more interested in working, like collaborating with you, getting curious about your thoughts, like what led to this. And I think the biggest difference that I've seen in using the model in how I manage is I find that people tend to jump frequently to identifying like the wrong problem mm-hmm. when something goes wrong. Like there will be a sense of like, oh, this decision that I made, like the, the concrete like circumstance, as you would put it, the facts of this decision were wrong. And mm-hmm. so like they fixate on that until like beat themselves up for not having made the right decision when it's more about like, how were you thinking that led to that result? Mm-hmm. We recently had a situation where this came up where we we did an event and there was something that just we didn't think through. Right. Like the problem was that people were taking their thoughts to be circumstances, right? It was yes. like, it's like people will be like, oh, I had this thought that led to this result, which turned out to not be the result we wanted. But my thought was a circumstance. So like, how can I think differently about that circumstance? Right. So it's almost like you're like, you know, we tried to sell these shoes at the shoe store and no one bought them. And like, without coaching, you're like, well, I guess no one wants shoes, you know, like that's the circumstance. But with coaching, you're able to dig so much deeper, I think, and problem solve within an organization, which is like, well, is it true that nobody wants shoes? Like, how did we sell the shoes? And like, how did we publicize the shoes? And was the shoe store even open that day? <laughs> like, what was go- yeah. what was going like, on? Did we even like? Did we think the shoes were valuable when right, we were trying to right. sell them? <laughs> did we assume that people wanted the shoes? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that what that leads to is like coaching and thinking about minds. Really, I think helps you coach people to ask more powerful questions. Like, I find mm-hmm. one of the most challenging places to coach or train an employee is when someone doesn't think to ask something right? Like it's one thing to be like, oh, these are my premises. These are the actions and results. And be like, okay, well, I see where we went wrong. (laughs) Like that premise Mm -hmm. is not useful or is factually incorrect. Or like, I think one of the things we both see come up again and again is that we need to use coaching with employees to deal with anxiety that leads to rushing, that leads to mistakes being made. Mm -hmm. But I've also found that it's sort of helpful when you are trying to teach someone how to think in a way they aren't thinking, right? That I think coaching if you don't have coaching, you're not thinking about their mind. You just get stuck at like, well, why wouldn't someone think of this? Like it comes to me naturally. I think of this. Why wouldn't someone else think of this? Yeah. And I think coaching helps you see like, okay, well, what are the thoughts that lead me to think of the thing? Like, what are the thoughts that lead me to troubleshoot in this way or to brainstorm in this way? What are my beliefs about myself? Like I think so often what comes up in coaching employees, your employees, like anyone else is like, what are their thoughts about themselves and the job? You know, I just had this like kind of hilarious to me interaction on Facebook where so many interactions on Facebook are hilarious <laughs> to me, where I had posted like, oh, I just did a staff retreat. Here's how we did it. Like, you know, I try to share whatever I'm figuring out with my followers. And this woman who was a sort of acquaintance I know who's not in the coaching world commented. And in the staff retreat, a lot of what we did was coach people on their self-conception about the business, which is everything, right? If all my employees have the thought, which they all do because they are humans and they happen to right now all be women and several of them are women of color and like people have other marginalized identities. So people have just been subject to all this socialization. When people in the business have thoughts like my job isn't that important or I don't know what I'm doing or whatever else, like of course that's going to show up in their performance, right? People are not going to be operating at their highest creativity when that's their thought process. 
but so I had this experience where I like posted about it and some acquaintance I know who must have a business doing this commented and was like, you know, I find staff retreats really aren't worth it, but like, I would love to do a consult to help you learn how you can like, you know, give your employees better rewards. They'll like better, whatever, something like that. You know? And I was like, (laughs) I'm like, listen, we do, you know, we send flowers, we do Christmas gifts. Like I'm totally not against giving gifts also and recognition, obviously, but like the idea that the best way to motivate employees would have nothing to do with looking at their thoughts and would just be like, well, you should give more Starbucks gift cards. Like that is not how humans work. Like that's not really how you unleash the best and most creative thinking. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's also like inviting an exploration of this is also how we create an environment where it's expected that you'll also be lobbying for your own career growth. Yes. And that you will also be like thinking about potential projects you can take on and to develop certain skills professionally that you want to develop. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that is also big, like whenever I'm coaching my employees about their belief in themselves in the job, I'm like, listen, if you're going to want a promotion, you got to come sell me. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. going to, obviously I like do give merit-based, we do cost of living increases every year and I give merit-based raises where I see it's appropriate, but I want my employees to be thinking about it. Like I am not going to like spoon feed advancement to people. Like I think it's important to mentor and coach and support people, but when you're trying to get hired, it's your job to sell the employer on hiring you. It's my job to sell you on why you should work for me. And if you want to move up, like we had at the staff retreat, we had the team set impossible goals for themselves and their roles. And like two of the part-time people want to become full-time. And I was like, great. Now your job is to go figure out what is the value you can add to the business that is going to make that a no-brainer for me, right? Setting the goals and been like, okay, I set the goal. And then I just like manifest every day. I hope Cara decides to make this position full-time. And she comes up with another 20 hours of work a week I could do, right? Like you come pitch me. I'm sure customer service could be full-time. You figure out how and come tell me. And of course, like people need support. People need coaching. We provide all of that. But I think it's impossible to argue effectively for your own advancement when your thought is like, my job doesn't matter, which most people's thought was, which also I just wanted to be like, okay, see how we all have this thought? Why would I pay all of you if none of your jobs mattered? (laughs) Right. (laughs) If I could do this all on my own, then I would. And I would save all that money I pay you. Yeah. You're not just like in the habit of throwing money away. It's not like (laughs) a charity. Yeah. Like I'm like, well, I don't need any of these people, but you know, let's set up like a charity system here where we hire people just to pay them. Yeah. That's what I see. Like fundamentally, like I see fundamentally the power of the model is that it invites you to take ownership and see your power in any situation. And so like layering that over the workplace environment, adding a coaching element into workplace is like essentially just like giving staff the tools with which they can take ownership of their roles, of their careers, of their relationship to the business, of their relationship to the world. And that ownership is something that I think by default, employees don't necessarily have that level of ownership, Mm -hmm. but it's something that I think you and the coaching tools have really invited everyone on staff to embrace. And that I think makes a really, for a really unique and like kind of unlimited potential for growth environment. And I think also like, I don't know what the term for this is, but I guess it's sort of culture employee interaction wise, right? Like I feel like we have very low drama on the like employee interaction with each other front, even though Mm -hmm. we've grown so much recently. And I think that's because people are using coaching and taking responsibility for themselves. That doesn't mean that they would never approach a supervisor with like, Hey, I have this issue. Like, 
you know, I think everybody in the company knows what our values are. And if an employee, a coworker was acting like outside those values in some way, they would totally approach a supervisor about it as they should. But there's just none of this like petty drama of like, well, I thought what so-and-so said in the meeting was like, they were trying to take credit from me or like, I don't like this thing. Right. There's just like, not that bullshit because I think everyone knows that like, if they take that to their manager, the first thing they're going to hear is like, let's see your model. (laughs) Like what was the circumstance and what was your thought about it? And everybody's coaching themselves. And I would, I would also say we provide coaching, right? Now we have coaches in house. So everybody gets a weekly half hour coaching session. Before that we had a coaching stipend. So business would pay for you to get an outside coach. Like, I think all coaches should be putting their money where their mouth is and giving their employees access to coaching, whether like if you're just starting out and you have a part-time VA, maybe that's you, right? Like that's fine. Maybe you find someone who needs a free client even. It doesn't have to be, you know, not everybody's going to have multiple coaches full-time like I do, but we've had that from the very beginning. And I think that has been like huge, right? Has been so important. And to give your employees a chance to get coached often by someone who isn't you because you are their boss and like, I think you can learn to coach them effectively as we've been talking about, but obviously it may be easier for them to talk to someone else. Yeah. And I think like the benefit to your business of teaching people how to manage their minds and getting them coaching that half hour a week is just really immeasurable. Yeah. I mean, I think like the coaching that I received and then eventually learned to provide myself, though, of course, I also (laughs) get coached still. I think that's like integral to how I've developed in the company. Yeah, I, I mean, I wish certainly we had, would like, not be heard. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish we had I a video not. of like the first month, maybe. And how much coaching you need as a boss? Like, Elena was my first yeah. full time employee, and I had to. I worked with an executive coach. I had to get so much coaching because of my thought. Like, I think a lot of people go through this where you hire people, and your immediate thought is just like, why can't they already know everything I think and do everything the way I want them to? Right. And you learn, I think, you know, as a boss, coaching has been so important to me because it has allowed me to get to the place where my operating thought about my business is I'm responsible for whatever happens. So like when something goes wrong, yes, there might be a model problem in the employee, but there's also like, okay, how was I not clear about this? How did I not, whatever, how did I not supervise correctly? How did I not empower somebody else to supervise correctly? Usually for me, it's like, how did I not explain what I actually wanted? Or like, how did I not say it clearly? But and some of that you can only learn by doing. I mean, we just don't know how much stuff is like assumed to us about how we do things. And you only learn it by like something going wrong and then getting to be like, okay, now I see like, this is where we need coaching, right? Like that's, but I think it's so important because employees and employers both think that like the ideal situation is, or some achievable situations where like nothing goes wrong. Yeah. But that's just not reality, right? And that's like being in your own life and being like, okay, the perfect experience is one in which I'm never challenged. I mean, like you can do that if you never leave your house and you numb out 23 hours a day and, you know, but otherwise that's going to happen. And like, if your business is growing, you're doing new things and you're hiring people and you're trying to empower them to do their jobs and not micromanage them, like shit's going to go wrong. And the question is just, do you learn from that or not? Yeah. And if you're encouraging your employees to develop into new roles and take risks and challenge some of the beliefs they have that they can't do certain things like that process is going to be a little messy as it should be. Yeah. And as an employer or a manager, you also have to be coaching yourself on like your own people pleasing tendencies and your own, like, I think one of the hardest parts about being a boss, especially if it's like an you're an entrepreneur, you've built a team, people have been with you for a long time is like when the business starts to outgrow people and when there like, isn't a space for them anymore or, 
they can't move up the way they want. It's not the right fit. Like that's really hard work you have to do. And like, that is something that without the model, because it's not actually a kindness to keep someone in a job that like they've outgrown or in a position where they can't grow the way they want in the company. It's like outstripped them or the company's gotten too complex or whatever. But if you don't do your own work on that, it's so easy to just, you know, want to take everyone. I mean, my teacher, because you used to say this to us all the time, like you just want to take everyone with you, right? Like the people Mm -hmm. you started with, you just want to carry them with you. You want to take them all the way. And I think that is like another place that if you believe you cause other people's feelings, you will keep people in jobs for a very long time that like aren't the right fit for them. You will hold off on, you know, you won't hire the right way. You won't fire the right way. And I'm definitely... I see that come up for me as well. And it's also like such a place that self-coaching or getting coached makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have one or two last questions, but anything else you want to say about this before we? Mm, no, I think we can. Okay. I feel like, this is, like the, this is like the lightning round. Like what is, I just said things that might be fun to ask you for other people. I feel like you're going to ask me like, what is my favorite? <laughs> What's your favorite snack? No, I know what your favorite <laughs> snack is. It's Takis. We went over okay. this. Now the world knows. Now the world knows. Elena likes some kind of snack that is like Gatorade sold by color, which I always think is a concerning sign about a food. There's no flavors. It's just like the blue ones. Okay. Here's the two questions. These just came to me. I thought they might be fun for people to listen to. First, what's the most expected thing about working for me? Like the thing everybody would think is true and is true. (laughs) I think that you like show up as directly and as a coach in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Like you show up as yourself. You're not going to like, if you work for Cara, you're not going to get a version of Cara that's like the corporate Cara. Like you get... (laughs) The corporate Cara definitely does not exist. (laughs) Does not exist. No. Does not exist. That's true. For better or worse, I am myself everywhere. On the plus side, I don't have to remember to be anybody else and it'd be really hard to blackmail me. Like, what are you going to tell people that I don't talk about on the podcast? What do you think is the most surprising thing about working for me? I guess because you're, I don't know that I had this belief necessarily, but because you were a lawyer and like, I tend to think of lawyers as like wanting to have control over things. Like you actually prefer to like, not have to look at things. <laughs> you're not a micromanager. Like, trying to have as little to do with my business as possible. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 that's not true. Yeah. That's been a big change. Also. I think like over the time we've worked together is as yeah. the business has grown, yeah, I'm not a micromanager. I think it's important to know your strengths and weaknesses. Strengths, not a micromanager. Weaknesses, sometimes a little too hands-off. Yeah. But I think it's a, it's a hard balance, as you will discover when you grow your business, when you eventually leave me, because I'm not allowed to like kidnap you. This is like a thing that you know happens where you, if you're trying to really grow something, you have to be like thinking about this big picture vision. And so your head is always like, where are we in three years? Like, I'm running the $5 million version of this business, but I'm thinking all the time about what's the $10 million version of this business and how do we get there? And I have to like live as that person. And the $10 million version of the business owner doesn't pay attention to the same things the $5 million version does or that the $1 million version did. So yeah, I think I am like concerningly to people sometimes hands off. But I also think like, I definitely believe, it's so interesting to also look at like where you have different thought patterns. Like for a long time, I had a very like fixed mindset about my romantic life of kind of like, there was like a solution to figure out. And like, you had to know what was going on in my business. I have been much more like, I don't know, we're going to try and see like what happens. And I think if you want to empower your employees to grow, like you kind of have to be like, 
I learned this actually from my colleague, Corinne Crabtree, who, you know, is always, is always like three steps ahead of me. And when I was first hiring, she was kind of like, all right, just remember, like, you got to let them fuck up. Like, you just got to be like, okay, you guys are in charge of planning the event. Like, obviously you have to give people some structure, like don't let people loose before they're trained. But ultimately, like, that's how people learn is to take responsibility <laughs> for something. What goes great. Awesome. What gets fucked up. They're like, well, okay, got to do that differently next time. Yeah. But I think like for any of you listening who are entrepreneurs or business owners, or even just a manager in a corporate situation, what is your thought process around like letting go of the reins? What is your belief about making mistakes and how comfortable are you with your own mistakes, with your employees' mistakes, right? I think is a like balance that everybody has to figure out for themselves. But yes, I can certainly see. I can yeah. see surprised that I'm like, please, I don't want to look at that. Just do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, like I actually do not want to look at I, that. I do Thank not you. want to see that again. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, just was saying actually, to my partner last night, if I'd known there was so much fucking math involved in starting it, I was like, why do I have to look at all this math? This is somebody else's job. It is not, unfortunately. That's something that actually resonates with me very deeply because also this year I've gone from managing one person mm-hmm. to now managing 10, mm-hmm. <laughs> which has like been a big just growth for me. around here or over Yeah. Snow. <laughs> but I think I've learned that actually from you, Kara, of like, I think having been with you as your first full-time employee three years ago, I have felt a shift in your willingness to just kind of let me try things and fail mm-hmm. and then explore what happened and have that just be a naturalized part of the process. Because I found myself also having to embrace that as well. Mm-hmm. And like, it's invited me to confront my own relationship with failure in order to empower the people that I'm managing to discover for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. Any parting words of wisdom? No, I think, I don't know if you know this about me, Cara, but you talk about the one like problem, the thing that's Mm -hmm. like always a problem Mm -hmm. in a person's life and how like you might be addicted to having that be the problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And prior to meeting you, like that was my career. I was always like, I had like a dual career as an artist and something else. And I was like always wanting to do something more meaningful and had this vision of a career that would fulfill me in every way. Mm -hmm. And not only has working with you allowed me to kind of step back from that and figure out how to create meaning for myself, but it has also allowed me to find this new passion for coaching and to explore in this amazingly supportive environment And so I am just so grateful. Like I now am not relating to my career as this problem anymore. Mm. And in fact, I feel that I've grown so much and I'm so excited and and optimistic both about the work that I'm doing with you and in the world. So yeah, just very, very grateful for that. (laughs) That's so beautiful. And this is a good pitch because listen, Elena's going to leave eventually and I have to hire a new COO. So we (laughs) will be hiring in 2022. And if you are a COO type, keep an eye out for that because- Elena needs needs some help here. <laughs> yeah, come take some work. We can't <laughs> handle me all on her own. It's too much for any person to deal with. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thanks for coming on and sharing your thoughts. All right. Thank you. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work 
with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.